Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I am glad to be back from vacation, ready to get going. And guess what? There's some new five-star recruits out there, and maybe your team just got an upgrade. We'll talk about the latest ranking updates with Charles Power. And did you see what Georgia did over the holiday weekend? We're going to talk about it. But first... We did a show, the last show we did was about June winners and how, you know, the Florida Gators were, were killing June. Well, guess what? It's July and Texas A&M is on a run. I don't know if you guys thought they were going to stay quiet this whole time, but Texas A&M is here. Nine commitments over the past 20 days. Let's bring on national recruiting analyst Sam Spiegelman to talk about this run that Texas A&M's been on. Look at this, on July 4th, Cam Coleman, five-star wide receiver. That was a big surprise. On June 30th, Ty Anthony Smith, four-star linebacker. The 29th, wide receiver Draylon Miller shocks the world, commits to the Aggies. They had offensive tackle Weston Davis and linebacker Jordan Lockhart as well. Sam, let's talk about Cam Coleman first. Now, I don't know which was a bigger surprise. The fact that he just did it out of nowhere or the destination, but both were a surprise to the entire country and the industry got this one wrong. Cam Coleman was trending heavily to Auburn for the weeks prior to this lead up of his commitment. What do you think? Well, where do you think the industry got it wrong? How did we miss the signs that he was heading to the Aggies? Yeah, you can look at this analyst first. I put in the, the Auburn RPM in June. He had wrapped up his official visits, and, and LSU was his final destination. Um, he had been to Auburn. He had been to Florida State. He had been to Clemson, and he had been to Texas A&M and LSU. And the buzz after his final visit to LSU was that he was likely to stay in the state of Alabama. That was kind of the narrative throughout his recruitment. We had heard Florida State was still involved, Clemson. And then, you know, Texas A&M was a bit of a dark shot. You have to remember, though, that Damian Craig – um, has roots in the state of Alabama. Um, and, and when Cam Coleman visited this spring for the spring game, he called it an immaculate visit. He's been to Aggieland. That was, they were one of the first schools to offer him out of the SEC. That includes the, the likes of Alabama and Auburn and LSU and all these schools that we mentioned. They've been in it since the beginning. Like you said, Texas A&M was not going to stay quiet for long. Damian Craig had been working overtime to bring Cam Coleman to A&M, and it was the biggest fireworks we saw on July 4th, no question. <laughs> Cam Coleman was the headliner, but how about Ty Anthony Smith, Weston Davis? I mean, Draylon Miller was a bit of a shocker. What did AM do to kind of lead up to this surge in recruiting? Listen, it should come to no surprise that, that Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies are taking care of business in Southeast Texas. But for all of these recruitments, there was a point where Texas A&M was leading, and then they were trailing other schools. For Weston Davis, a top 25 player in the country at a premium position like offensive tackle, they were in trouble with the rival LSU Tigers at getting the final official visit before his decision. There were some that believed that LSU was in control there, and the same with Draylon Miller. USC was very heavily involved, so was LSU. Texas A&M closed with all three, um, including Ty Anthony Smith, a really talented linebacker that was really favoring USC until they got him back on campus at the end of June. We talk about the timing of these visits. If you get them on campus and even win them over, and as you say, Josh, they set the bar so high, sometimes it's about that last visit, reminding them what home really does feel like, and the coaching staff at A&M knocked out of the park with those three blue chippers from their backyard. Yeah, and Texas A&M just proved to be a great fit for all of them. And you know what else is a great fit? My bird dog khaki shorts. You can literally wear them everywhere. I wear them to work. I wear them to the market. I wear them golfing. 
Last weekend, I wore him golfing with my fiance and she mentioned how good my legs look. She never mentions how good my legs look. I wear them to work and JD always compliments me on my bird dogs, asking me where I got them. And I say, hey, they're so much better than my stiff old khakis. I just love the fit. I love the way they also just keep me cool and comfortable throughout the entire summer. Go to birddogs.com forward slash Josh or enter promo code Josh for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash Josh or promo code Josh for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. But let's stay on these Aggies because I don't think they're done. They're currently inside the top 10. They were outside the top 15 for much of this cycle, but right now they're surging. And I feel like we've been sleeping on the Aggies and it's time to stop sleeping on the Aggies. So when it comes to their top targets, who's a name out there, a big name out there on the board that we need to be talking about? Yeah, um, you said we're in the dead period of July, but it's about to get heated. Um, they're expecting five-star edge Colin Simmons on campus at the end of this month. We know that Colin Simmons is flirting with the idea of possibly making a decision before the season. Um, we know that he's going to try to repeat, help Duncanville repeat his state champions over there. Um, and, and there's a thought that he's always going to play this out till the end or close till the end. But after his Texas official visit, we know that Texas is in a great spot, but Texas A&M is right there. Um, the thought is that Colin Simmons will likely end up playing college football in the state of Texas. LSU is still making this very tough on him. We know that he also took official visits to Miami, to Alabama, and Oregon is sticking around. But there's a sense that he's going to play college football in the state of Texas, close to home. Um, and A&M getting him on campus. I think that they won the spring, Josh, kind of re-entering re his recruitment in a statement way. Elijah Robinson is one of the best in the country at keeping the, the best linemen in the state of Texas home. I won't discount them with Colin Simmons if they do get him on campus as they expect to at the end of this month. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We're talking about Texas and LSU with Colin Simmons for much of the spring. I don't know. It just kind of seems like LSU is fading, and I think we need to be talking more Texas A&M whenever we talk Colin Simmons. How about running back Caden Durham? He set his commitment date for August 25th. I know A&M wants to run a, land a top running back in this class. Where do they stand with Caden Durham? Yeah, I think they're, they're a bit of a dark horse, but kind of the same kind of dark horse that they were with Cam Coleman, and look how that played out. <laughs> Caden Durham has roots in Oklahoma. They were one of the first teams in the mix with him. He's got family all across the state, and he's a big priority for DeMarco Murray and Brent Venables. Um, he's, been on, he's coming off a visit to LSU, and he's a top priority for the Tigers and running backs coach Frank Wilson, their assistant head coach. And it seems to be when he makes his decision next month, it'll be Oklahoma or LSU. But Texas A&M is still going to be in it, whether they get a decision then or get him back on campus for, for a visit in the season. It's only two hours from, from Duncanville to get down to College Station. So I'm not ruling out A&M there. One name that they do not have ground to make up on is the number one athlete in America, Terry Bussey, out of the state of Texas. Sam, when is Bussey going to make a decision, and how do you feel about the Aggies' chances of landing him right now? Bussey's recruitment is just starting to, to get going this summer. We've talked about him being, you know, a, he's a great Charles Power find. So that right there in Southeast Texas, where Texas A&M is currently dominating. And there was some buzz that maybe he would follow the likes of Draylon Miller, Ty Anthony Smith, Weston Davis, and jump on board the Aggies train as it started to get rolling. But this June, he took official visits to Oklahoma, to Texas, and he got to an unofficial to Baton Rouge. I think he's going to get back to Baton Rouge this, this fall for an official visit 
probably get to Texas A&M for an official visit. I, I don't expect a decision to be as close to December, but probably during the season, if not a little bit further out. But it's going to go a little bit further only because he's just diving in right now. But A&M has been the team to beat. They laid the foundation with Terry Bussey. They like him at receiver. They like him in the secondary. They'll just take Terry Bussey to get him on the roster. And I think when it's all said and done, that's going to be how it plays out. Yeah, one of the most explosive athletes in the country. And the Aggies are running away with it right now in the recruiting prediction machine. All right, let's see. What else happened while I was on vacation? UGA has been on a recruiting bender. This is like in NASCAR when you got a six-car lead. Uh, UGA right now is just padding their stats. We'll have Rusty Manziel on here in a minute to talk more about Georgia's domination on the recruiting trail. But one thing that I didn't see coming, Sam, was, was Georgia's domination of Texas on the recruiting trail. And this isn't a knock on Texas. I mean, Texas is out there recruiting with the best of them. Well, outside of Georgia, they're winning almost any battle they enter. But look at these Georgia wins over Texas. Defensive lineman Joseph Jonah Ajanye, that was a big one. Offensive lineman Daniel Calhoun. Offensive, like, offensive lineman Michael Uini. And offensive lineman Nair Daniels. Georgia took advantage of Texas on the recruiting trail. But Sam, Texas doesn't lose many of the recruitments in this cycle. But UGA has been a thorn in their side the past few weeks. I don't think UGA's done either. Number one linebacker in America, Justin Williams. He's been teetering on making a decision. What are you hearing right now on the number one linebacker in America out of the state of Texas? I think the biggest takeaway with Justin Williams is he's done taking visits. Um, he made his first visit to Athens in May and returned last month for an official visit. And we know that he's been to Oregon almost half a dozen times since last fall. I'm very familiar with Dan Landing and the coach over the coaches over there in Eugene, but Georgia, much like his teammate, Joseph Jonah Ajanye, who committed to Georgia last week as a part of that big rush of, of offensive and defensive elite offensive and defensive linemen committing to the dogs. Um, both of them have made the same two visits out to, to Athens, and it's the same story with both. Just like Oklahoma was kind of trending with Jonah Ajanye, uh, Oregon was trending with Justin Williams, and then the dogs stepped in. Um, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp getting to spend a lot of time with not only Justin Williams, but members of his family. It felt like they kind of closed the gap quickly. And as, as they returned home to Houston, Texas, it's been kind of Georgia buzz after, you know, more and more Georgia buzz. He's not expected to make, a make any visits. Um, mm -hmm. He's expected to make a decision by the end of this month. And if and when that happens, I like where Georgia stands. And Georgia is just stacking number ones. He's the number one linebacker. They already have the number one quarterback committed in Dylan Riola. They have the number one corner committed. They're after the number one offensive tackle in Brandon Baker. There's more number ones on the way for Georgia. Whew, watch out. We're going to talk to Rusty here in a minute. But, Sam, let's stay in the state of Texas. What's up with Micah Hudson, the five-star wide receiver? It looked like he was trending heavily to Texas Tech. At one point, you know, everybody was ignoring the Texas Tech rumors and saying it would be the Longhorns in the end. But, the prediction started rolling in about two weeks ago for Micah Hudson to Texas Tech, including your own. Is this a delay? What's going on? How come he hasn't announced the decision yet? Your guess is as good as mine, Josh, but I can tell you that there's still a, a very good amount of confidence out there in West Texas about their chances with the five-star plus over Micah Hudson. Listen, Texas Tech is not just starting to take control on the RPM. They've been in control of Hudson's recruitment for several months at this point. Um, listen, 
he's he's just pondering his decision. I think he's the mm-hmm. kind of kid that when he makes his decision, he wants it to be final. He wants to have zero regrets. And we know, and we've talked about this on the inside scoop, te- schools like Texas and A&M are not going to stop recruiting five-star plus receiver Micah Hudson. You know that Georgia and Ohio State were involved, and they're not going to be afraid of recruiting guys committed to Texas Tech. Micah Hudson, though, I feel like he is just a different kind of pl- recruit. Um, both as a player on the field and a, a kid off of it. And I think when he wants it, when he commits, it's going to be final. I still like where Tech stands. I think it's going to be a home run if and when he does commit to the, the Red Raiders. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a big July for not only Micah Hudson and all the prospects in the state of Texas, but this entire country is on commit watch right now. Sam, thanks for stopping by the Inside Scoop. Thanks for having me, Josh. There's been some enormous commitments already in just the first week or two of July, but even bigger ones are yet to come. So let's bring on national recruiting analyst here at On3, Sam Spiegelman. Sam, the recruiting calendar, it seems like it's shifted again. Summer was camp season. It used to be camp season, and now it feels like commitment season. What's the cause of this? Is it NIL? Is it all these summer official visits? Is it the cycle just speeding up on us again? What's going on? Well, you remember July 4th has really over the last like half decade just become the time for for kids to commit if they're going to commit in the summer. But I think since we since the NCAA introduced all of these summer official visits for all the kids that are racing to get to three or four or five schools in the summertime in May and June, they want to be done with the process in July and then shift their focus to their senior seasons. Now, Josh, we, we talked about this off the air. There's definitely been a lot more commitments in the month of July. This is the busiest month of the season, probably as much or, or more than December or, or when mm-hmm. January used to be. Um, but it also opens up the door for, for flip season then to take place from September on. Ah, I was going to ask you about that. So this is commit season. Is the fall going to be decommitment season? Because I feel like there's going to be a couple teams that maybe drop a game or two early on. And boy, we could see this thing open back up again. Do you think that's possible? Always, you know, there's there's always coaching changes. There's always kids that make a decision in June or July or, or August. And then that, that coach that was recruiting them is off to another school. The the head coach is being rumored for other jobs or, or you know, some, some form or, or another. Um, there's also obviously when you commit out of state, potentially the in-state schools dial up the push or, or vice versa. You sometimes you have a breakout senior season and then the, the big dogs come rolling. You know, I'm talking about Georgia, I'm talking about Ohio State, the Texas's, the Texas A&M's of the world. And sometimes those are the offers that move the needle and it puts those 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 schools that recruited the kid, the kid the best in an even tougher position because then they got to hold on. All right. Well, decommitment season will be here before we know it, but we're still in commitment season. So look at let's take a look at some big July commitments. Interior offensive lineman Casey Poe, the top rated interior offensive lineman. He's set to decide on July 12th. Offensive tackle Jonathan Daniels goes on the 15th. Caleb Odom, six foot four, 220 pound tight end out of Georgia commits on the 15th as well. Then Taylor Tatum, the 21st and five-star corner Charles Lester will be on the 28th. I'm sure there's going to be more. We're going to have some live commits here too at the On3 Studios. I know right now Caleb Odom's going to be announcing with us. We'll probably add a couple more. But Sam, what do you make? Let's start with Casey Poe out of the state of Texas. How do you see this recruitment playing out? Yeah, this is this is an on three special. I, we had him as the the number one interior offensive lineman, and then look at the list of suitors he's choosing from: from Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, 
uh, LSU, Texas Tech, Clemson, Auburn. Um, I think for, for much of the spring, this has kind of boiled down to Georgia versus Alabama and, and Oklahoma has also stood tall. Um, and I think when he when he makes his decision on Wednesday, it's really down to Alabama and Oklahoma. I've had my pick on Alabama uh, since the tail end of the spring visits. That was really important to Casey Poe and getting second and third looks at a lot of these schools. And then after these official visits, it was really hard not to ignore the impact that Nick Saban has had on Casey Poe's recruitment. I like where the Tides sit with the number one interior offensive lineman in the country out of East Texas. And one of the top offensive tackles in America, Jonathan Daniels, he's going to get set to make his decision. Now, both of us have our picks in for Florida State, but when we put our picks in, it was really Florida State versus LSU. Since then, he's named a top three of FSU, Kentucky, and Georgia. There is no LSU. Now, he did take an official visit to Georgia. How big of a threat are the dogs right now to the Seminoles? Well, no team in the country is recruiting better than, than the two-time defending national champs <laughs> right now. And and they did make a sizable move when they got Jonathan Daniels on campus. Um, I think the fact is that Florida State has been the team to beat. And even if Georgia got it close, the timing of Florida State's official visit loomed really large. Whatever visit high that the dogs left with, with Jonathan Daniels, I think FSU sort of negated it with their own visit high. And I think they've been the team that, that always kind of felt like home with Daniels. I think they're in line to get a nice blue chipper to add to that offensive line. Now, Caleb Odom, who will be, like I said, announcing live in the On3 studios that same day, July 15th, he's going to be – he's taken a bunch of official visits. He's been in the state of Florida. He went to Florida, went to Miami. He's been to Alabama. He's been – he took a summer tour. What do you make of his recruitment? Where is it trending? Is we're about a week away from him announcing his decision? Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of teams that have kind of garnered momentum. As you said, he, he made visits all across the SEC, across the Southeast in general, um, the spring, and then again this summer before he, he kind of came up with the July 15th commitment date. Ole Miss has had a lot of momentum in the spring. Miami and Mario Cristobal love to recruit elite tight ends like Caleb Odom. But midway through June, a lot of the buzz had been centered around the, the Crimson Tide. They started to dial up their efforts with the elite tight end from Georgia. He fits the exact mold of a, of a tight end for, for Joe Cox and the Tide over there. I like where Alabama put, sits. I like where they've been sitting. My, my pick has been on the Tide since June. Yeah, and it feels like Alabama is going to get going here real soon. Sitting right now at number four, not accustomed to seeing him that far down the list, usually one or two. But, hey, just look at these big July decisions. Right now, we have Alabama trending for two of the five. All right, let's move on to running back Taylor Tatum. He's in the state of Texas. You've covered him for years now. He's going to make his decision on July 21st. What are you hearing when it comes to Taylor Tatum? Yeah, this has been a, a two-team race in midway through June. We know that USC has been trending for, for Taylor Tatum for a good chunk of the spring, and we know that Oklahoma really closed the gap after DeMarco Murray got him on, him on campus. Big Sooner Champion Barbecue Weekend, DeMarco Murray, and also uh, the baseball program also kind of closing the gap with USC for the number one running back in the country. I've moved my pick over to Oklahoma um, I, I like where the Sooners sit with the East Texas running back. They have a history of recruiting. His high school is alma mater, and I think tradition is a big part of, of Taylor Tatum and what he wants to do at the next level. So I like where Oklahoma sits, but it's a, it's a really tight race. And do you think when Taylor Tatum makes his decision at the end of the month that that'll be it for him? Our team's just going to back off at that point? 
Well, I know that USC isn't isn't going to stop recruiting him. His, his relationship with Kyle McDonald, their running backs coach, goes back to the eighth grade. So I don't see him disappearing any anywhere in this recruitment. And then you got both Texas and Texas A and M lurking in the state, um, just like we talked about. Flip season, it's not always up to the to the kid who's who's committed to their school. It's up to the running back coach and the head coach to say we don't want to let this kid leave the state. And I expect Texas and definitely Texas A and M to stay in the mix with Tatum until the end. Yeah, I could see that happening. All right, let's move on to the fifth player on this. Fifth player, five-star, Charles Lester, one of the top cornerbacks in America. You and I actually both agree on our predictions here. We both have him going to Florida State, but there's some competition, and I know Florida State fans are looking out west to Colorado. Do you think Deion Sanders is a factor here as we wait for Charles Lester's decision? You would have to be a fool to discount Deion Sanders, who has been very quiet this summer, to just be completely out of the mix with Charles Lester, who obviously we know is is from the same state as Deion Sanders and took a visit out to Boulder and has spoken very glowingly about Prime. Um, I think he Charles Lester fits the profile of being a Florida kid with being willing to go out of state and, and playing the right position with the right um, skill level to, to really feel like Deion Sanders can put him in a position to be drafted in the first round down the road. So, yeah, I like where Florida State sits. I feel very comfortable with my RPM on the Seminoles. Charles Lester has called them his number one school on occasion. He's called it his dream school, and he's visited Tallahassee more than any other school in his recruitment. But, no, I am not discounting Deion Sanders or the chance that Charles Lester ends up playing his college football in Boulder, Josh. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's all, it, again, with Charles Lester, if he commits – at the end of July to Florida State, I still don't think that recruitment's over either. But right now, I do like my pick on the Seminoles. All right, Sam, it's been it's been already a fun month of July. More fun on the way. Can't wait to see all these commitments. And the ones that we previewed, these are just a fraction of the commitments that you'll see at on3.com throughout the month of July and into August. Recruiting is red hot right now. Sam, thanks for stopping by the Inside Scoop. Summer is hot, but the dogs are even hotter on the recruiting trail right now. I got Jake Rowe from Dogs HQ joining me. Jake, look at UGA's offensive line class. This graphic shows there's over a ton of beef committed to Georgia. Nair Daniels, Daniel Calhoun, Marquise Easley, Marcus Harrison, Malachi Tolliver, and Michael Uni. Jake, who's your favorite of this group? My favorite is one of the lowest rated guys of the group, and that's Marquise Easley. Um, I, his competition level is probably the worst uh, of the group, when, you know, playing up in Kankakee, Illinois. And um, uh, listen, I don't know a ton about it, but I don't think it stacks up to Texas and Georgia and, and, uh, and some of the other places that Georgia has gotten these guys from. But this cat is long. He is freakishly talented. And, you know, talking to some, in, you know, some people that, that some sources inside the program, um, very, very high on Georgia's board. I think maybe Nair Daniels is the only guy of, that they've taken that may be higher on the board than than uh, than Marquise Easley. And, and when I watch his film, if you're just looking at the raw talent, uh, the way he bounces around, the way he moves, how light he is on his feet and how big he is, uh, I think he's going to be a pretty good offensive lineman the next level. And the funny thing is, as far as the class goes, at six foot five, he's kind of a runt. You know, he's not six seven or six eight like some of these other guys are. I love that. The run of the class. Okay. Whatever you say, Jake. So how were all of, how did all of this come together? Because it seemed like nearly this entire offensive and defensive line class kind of committed in the same time frame. Was this planned or was it just a coincidence? 
I, you know, I think it, I think it was more coincidence than plan. I mean, I, sometimes you run into those things that, you know, there's some gray area and I think there's probably some gray area here. I, I think that they probably wanted to make a little bit of a splash with a couple of these guys uh, like Nair Daniels. Um, you know, Nair Daniels was, he visited Georgia kind of middle of the month. I want to say it was like around, uh, maybe it was around July 16th, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And, and he, he made that decision to, to do that. And then initially he said he was going to come in on July 4th, uh, moved it to July 7th. Uh, so, you know, thank goodness there, you know, didn't have to cover a commitment uh, on, on July 4th, but done it before. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that was a guy that may have moved some things around for Georgia. Um, you know, uh, Marquise Easley, you know, I think had committed or, or given the staff an indication earlier in the process that he was going to commit. And I think that was another one that may have kind of fallen into the, uh, hey, let's let's get it done right around this time type deal. Uh, but like Daniel Calhoun, Michael Uni, uh, you know, I think those guys kind of decided when they wanted to decide. Both of those guys kind of came off the, the the visit, either a visit run or, in Uni's case, fresh off an official visit to Georgia uh, where the Bulldogs kind of just turned that recruitment around and, and swiped him away from Michigan and, and Alabama. All right. Well, Georgia has the number one class and Georgia recruiting fans are becoming a bit of an elitist group. They only want to look at the number one prospects at their position. And I don't blame them. Georgia has the number one quarterback already committed in Dylan Riola. They have the number one corner already committed in Ellis Robinson. But there's a few other number ones that they're hunting. Let's start with number one linebacker Justin Williams. What's the latest intel right now? Because it seems like he might be closing in on a decision. I think Georgia has steadily been pulling in the right direction um, since he took an unofficial visit. He, you know, he's teammates with Joseph Jonah Ajanye, who's mm-hmm. also a recent commit of Georgia. Those two visited together in May. Uh, I believe it was the first time uh, uh, Jonah Ajanye had been to Georgia. I'm not sure about Williams. But ever since then, you heard that Georgia was kind of making a move. They both set official visits to Georgia for the same weekend. Uh, coming out of that official visit, you heard the same thing. Georgia's kind of creeping in the right direction. This is still really close with Oregon. And then uh, for some reason, um, we all knew Jonah Ajayi was going to commit to Georgia. I think we all knew that was coming. Well, he commits to Georgia, and then the buzz really starts to pick up. So it sounds like Georgia may be kind of widening the gap there between itself and Oregon. Um, I, I like the Bulldogs right now. Put in an RPM pick there this morning. Okay, let's stay with the number ones. Number one at his position, K.J. Bolden is the number one safety, and he's set to decide in August. A lot of momentum in June with Ohio State, but how can you count out the in-state Georgia Bulldogs at this point? Well, if, you, if you're looking for a reason, it's because he plays at Buford High School, and Georgia just does not kill it there. Uh, hasn't for a long time. But um, I would still pick Georgia as of today. Um, I think Georgia's in a really good spot there. Um, they've done a really good job of, of putting safeties in the NFL, of putting defensive backs in the NFL. I think that's very appealing, also being very close to home. Uh, but listen, it's an eternity, feels like, between now and and August the 5th, whenever he's going to make his decision. And, uh, you know, Alabama's not going to go away. Ohio State's not going to go away. This is going to be a battle all the way until then. And, uh, you know, listen, there'll be a, it'll be almost like a football game, like winning a big game. Uh, you'll get to celebrate it for about 24 hours, and then you're going to get right back to work keeping on recruiting him because nobody else is going to stop. All right, I got one more number one for you. Just as we're taping this show, news kind of breaks that Williams Winery, the number one defensive lineman in America, is going to make his decision, it looks like, August 1st, Jake. So what are your sources saying on where the dogs stand with Williams-Winary? 
I think there's they're in as good a spot as they could possibly be right now, uh, just in terms of of a recruitment that's like this one that coming into June they were probably a little bit of an afterthought. Uh, I think Georgia's got some momentum, but the thing they're running into is they're running into to relationships at Oklahoma. I believe one of his coaches or maybe his head coach played at Oklahoma. I know he's got a former teammate that's at Oklahoma. And the Sooners have done a really good job recruiting him. They deserve a lot of credit for that. They've been on this for a while. Uh, Missouri is another school in-state program. Uh, you know, They're selling him on the idea of kind of coming in and turning that program around and, and kind of taking it to a different level there in the SEC. Uh, you know, I think both of those schools are going to fight really hard. I don't see Tennessee as a major factor anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Georgia's kind of supplanted Tennessee as maybe that third team at the top. But, uh, you know, if I had to absolutely pick today, um, I wouldn't want to, first of all. I'd beg you not to make me. Uh, but first of all, I would say Georgia. But but that's it's far from over. We're going to know in 22 days what's going to happen there and or, or, or three weeks or whatever. I, I may be bad at math here, but – Whatever you're talking about here, I think you're looking at, um, you know, the decision here, the final decision is probably not going to be made until the last probably week uh, to, you know, four or five days before he commits at best. And and right now I think Georgia's in position to possibly be the team. Talking about cleaning up. Well, if things keep, continue to trend the way that they have throughout the spring and into the summer and looks like it's going to continue to turn that way into the fall. You've been around this program for a long time. Does this have the potential to be the best recruiting class in UGA history? There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it really does. And, and the thing I like most about this class, Josh, is how well-rounded it is. There's mm-hmm. not really a single position. It's a big class. And so with a big class, you want to make sure you're hitting every spot um, in there, and, and I think Georgia's doing that. I mean, they, they've recruited incredibly well along the lines of scrimmage uh, in a class that the offensive line wasn't easy to recruit. There, there's just not a, a lot of elite guys on the offensive line, especially at tackle in this class, and Georgia's still been able to get quality and quantity at that position. You know, you get two you know really good quarterbacks in, in Dil- Dylan Rayola and and uh, Ryan Puglisi. Uh, you know, they've got a chance to add a Nate Frazier, uh, you know, a, a newly minted uh on 300 five-star running back there. Uh, they've got a chance to get him to add him to another couple of really good running backs in this class and load up at that position. It is such a well-rounded class at, at all the different positions, and uh, I think that's what really stands out and, and and maybe separates this class from maybe some other elite classes from other programs where they're not necessarily leaning on a bunch of five-stars at one position. They're kind of picking up a lot of quality and a lot of quantity at a bunch of different spots. Quality and quantity across the board. Well, Jake, you are all quality. Thank you for stopping by the Inside Scoop today. The On3 rankings have been updated, so let's bring on Director of Scouting and Rankings, this guy right here, Charles Power. We're in the middle of summer, Charles, and this is the third ranking update for the 2024 cycle. What data points and factors were you looking at when you updated the rankings? Yeah, I think you have to start, Josh, with, with the in-person evaluations. We were at several national events uh, this summer, the Elite 11 finals, the OT7 finals. We get, had time to go back and, and watch a lot of the camp footage and, and go through a lot of those results um, from the spring. And additionally, we just added a bunch of new verified measurements from guys getting on campus, uh, working our sources there, and kind of just getting a complete picture of, of where the, the overall cycle stands going into the fall. All right, well, heading into this update, there was 10 five stars here at On3. Now we have 15, so let's look at the newly minted five stars. 
Quarterback Julian saying, wide receiver Mylon Graham, defensive lineman David Stone, linebacker Justin Williams, and running back Nathaniel Frazier. Let's start at the top here with Julian saying, not only did he earn his fifth star, but he jumps to the number one spot, bumping Dylan Raiola into two. What went into this ranking? Yeah, I think Julian's saying, if when you look at the entire body of work, that, that he's put together dating back to the junior year and what he did in the month of June. I don't know if any prospect had a stronger month of June, really a, the week in June that we spent out in California watching him at the Elite 11 finals. He was the on three MVP there, also was the MVP for the Elite 11 staff, and then showed up two days later or a day, a day later and had one of the best seven on seven performances I've seen from a quarterback in the last couple years at the OT7 finals. It was just a phenomenal week. And I think Julian's saying the consistency of the performance is, is at this point hard to deny in a quarterback cycle that's not extremely loaded at the top, maybe relative to like last year where we had all of those five stars early in the process. Uh, I, I think Julian Sayan has done enough to put himself in pole position as the number one quarterback, and he currently checks in at number seven overall for us. Well, Alabama, they just land. Well, they didn't even land another five star, but they gain a five star in Julian Sayan. Another team that gains a fifth star on their commitment list is Ohio State with Mylon Graham, the six foot and a half, 185 pound wide receiver. What makes Mylon Graham a five star? Mylon Graham, I think, has a strong argument as, as the best route runner in this cycle. The 2024 cycle was extremely strong at receiver, and, and he is just like probably the most technical receiver that, that we've seen to this point. Guy who can really separate. Uh, can, can create separation within his routes. He's got good ball skills. He's got good size. He's around six foot one, 185 pounds. Actually reminds me, Josh, after seeing him in person, a little bit of Amari Cooper, okay. a guy that we saw back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think Byron Graham going to Ohio State, like Brian Hartline has a just a wide receiver factory <laughs> pumping out first rounders. I think they have their recruiting classes have accounted for four first rounders in the last two two drafts. They're going to have maybe two more this year. I think Mylon Graham and Jeremiah Smith are going to keep it rolling at Ohio State. Absolutely unbelievable. All right, so those first two, they're committed. Now, the next three guys we're going to talk about are not committed. First up, defensive lineman David Stone, originally out of Oklahoma City, but he attends IMG Academy. David Stone goes six foot four, 278 pounds. He can move. Why is he a five-star now? I, I think that's where you start. He, he's, he's big, he's long, he can really move. David Stone has, I think, continued to get better since he's been at IMG. Uh, just going back and watching his camp and combine performances from, from this spring, uh, just extremely disruptive. He's dominant in, in, in every setting. A guy who I think can move around different spots on the defensive line. The defensive line is a strong position in this cycle, but, but I think going into the, the fall, David Stone is, is worthy of being a five-star, and, and now he's a five-star plus. Mm. Now let's go down a little bit south to Conroe, Texas, where we find linebacker Justin Williams, the number one linebacker in America, 6'2", 210, and he is now a five-star. We talked about him earlier on the show. He's being recruited by Georgia, Oregon, it's a tough battle right now, but why is he a five-star recruit? I think you have to start off with the speed. J Justin, Woy Justin Williams is extremely fast. This guy who ran a 4-4-4 laser uh, it, like in the spring. Uh, he backed that up on the track. He ran an, uh, around an 11-second 100-meter. I remember mm. when, when we were first putting these rankings together about a year ago, Justin Williams was a safety. Yeah. We projected him to linebacker. He's filled out. He's added size and speed. And then when you watch him play as a junior, this guy is playing tr true Mike linebacker and running sideline to sideline. So I think he has showed like, a lot of projectable tools, really productive as a junior, and I think the arrow is pointing up for him. All right, speaking of speed, running back Nathaniel Frazier gets a fifth star. He's 5'10 and a half. 205 pounds out of Santa Ana, California. 
What makes Nathaniel Frazier a five-star? Nathaniel Frazier, in, in our opinion, has the best overall skill set at, at running back. He's got the straight line speed, track speed, a guy who consistently runs sub-11 in the 100 meters. Uh, he is dynamic uh, on, on Friday nights playing at modern day. Uh, I think has exceptional contact balance. Got a good mm -hmm. build. He's got, like, that's what's one thing we look at running back is, is the build and ability to take on contact. He's around 210 pounds with that speed and athleticism. Can catch the ball to the backfield. I think the biggest thing we're looking for, for, for from Nate Frazier is just continued production. He, he's in a, a split backfield at modern day, but when you just look at the overall skill set, he looks like the top back in the class to us. Yeah, he is right now the top back in the class. All right, those are the new five stars. When I look at the rankings, I always I always look at who are the big movers. So we're going to take a look at a few of these. Moving on up, quarterback Luke Cromanhawk. He goes from 45 to 27. The Florida State commitment. He's been looking good throughout the offseason. Why the big jump for him? I think Luke Cromanhawk showed perhaps the, the, the highest upside of any quarterback we saw at the Elite 11 Finals. Uh, big arm, can drive the ball downfield. I think he has well above average athleticism and movement skills. The biggest thing with Luke Cromanhoek is this was his first, his junior year was his first year as a, as a varsity right. starter. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're kind of expecting him to take a, a more of a jump as a senior, but, but I think the upside that he showed at the Elite 11 Finals is really encouraging. All right, well right now he's a borderline five star sitting there at number 27 overall. Running back Jordan Marshall, committed to Michigan, goes from 76 to 31. Tell me about his move. Yeah, Jordan Marshall, if you were going to build a Michigan running back in a lab, this is the guy. He is rocked up, stout, uh, and is really, I think, good in every area, like well above average in every area. One thing with Jordan Marshall that caught our eye is he, he has added speed over the past year. That was, like, that was an area that he could improve, came out and, and ran some, some really impressive track times, looked good in the camp setting. Uh, and I think when, when you pair that with how good he is on Friday nights, he's just a tough runner, uh, a, a guy who can, can, pick up, can pick up tough yards after contact, catches the ball well, a guy who, like, when putting him in Michigan's offense, I think he brings a lot to the table and will, will remind you of some of the high-end running backs they have on the roster right now. Up next, we got wide receiver TJ Moore, who's committed to Clemson. Now, Clemson goes into the Tampa Bay area and steals a good one. He was good at 139th overall. Mm -hmm. Now he's 64. Why the big jump for TJ Moore? When we were going through this receiver group and, and kind of just taking a, a, a look at, at, at the group in, in general, TJ Moore stuck out as a guy that we thought was a little too low. Going back and looking at some of his, his track results uh, this spring was, was very encouraging. He's run good times in the 100 meters. He's athletic in, in the high jump. And then watching, one thing, Josh, that I know you're familiar with is they play spring ball in Florida. Oh, so yeah. going back and watching his spring game uh, and, and doubling back to, to the junior year, I think he just has a really, uh, uh, just a well-rounded skill set, good size at over 6'2", 180. Like, like I said, the athleticism, but he is silky smooth, ball skills. And that's one thing that we look at receiver with receiver. It's a skill position. So it's you know, how, how technical are you with your routes? How can you change directions? How, how, how are your ball skills? Well, I think TJ Moore checks all those boxes. So we were really encouraged going through it and, and kind of circling back to his junior year and watching him in the spring. Now, the last name on the list, LJ McCray, is a defensive lineman out of the state of Florida. He's another one of those big athletic bodies. He goes from 66 to 34, borderline five-star. What makes him so highly ranked now? Yeah, we've been high on LJ McCray from, from the beginning. Uh, I, I really liked what we saw from him as a junior at, at Daytona Mainland, but he's a guy who has continued to progress. 
Uh, I, I think I think you'll start off with with his size and length. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy who you know, while ranked as a defensive lineman, if we looked up in a couple years and he's drafted as as a defensive end, it wouldn't surprise me. Like there's just with the variety of fronts that defenses play now. This, I mean, this is a guy who could play all over the place. But but uh, similar to T.J. Moore, had a really good spring, and, and I think just just taking stock of what is a very strong D line group. Like we're, we're bullish on LJ McCray's upside, and I think he's a guy who is going to continue to get better the more and more he plays. All right, well, those were the big movers. We introduced you to the new five stars. This was the third update to the on three rankings, but Charles, it wasn't the last update. So, Tim, give me like a name or two of guys that you got on five star watch for the next rankings update. So, I we're, we're at 15 five stars now. I could see us being. Around 20, I think you have to look at the corners. You look, I think you look at Charles Lester, Wardell Mack. I think seeing those guys play, there, there are, those are two that we did not see this summer. So I think seeing those guys play on, on Friday nights will be informative. And I, and I, I look at the linemen. We have no offensive line five yeah, stars right that's now. Crazy. We were talking about that. So I, 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 think, I think not being able to see those guys in the summer the way the camp shook mm-hmm. out, uh, we're going to be heavy on, on, on the big guys and kind of seeing how they, how they look early on in their senior year. Heavy on the big guys. We love it. All right. All the rankings have been updated. Go to on3.com to find out your favorite team's highest-ranked player. Thanks for coming by the Inside Scoop today, Charles. Sure thing. Thank you for watching. Make sure you smash that subscribe button for me. And remember to check out all the videos on the On3 YouTube page.